Hey everybody, welcome back to Dollar Dollar Bills, a way of life to build personal wealth and financial freedom. It's Ashley here and we are back to get to another episode that's circling around a topic that I think is so important and so intertwined with basic financial information and financial literacy. And I think you can't have one successfully without the other. I think it's why finally the financial industry, the discussions are now circling around mental health and this term financial abuse and really how the same way that mental health and the terminology, the understanding, the methodology behind it and how it's impacting people. I think COVID really brought that out, that focus on how to become healthy, not just physically, but you know, emotionally, again, mentally, how that can change your life, how that can change the way you look at the world, how that can change your behaviors and your actions. But I think mental health and financial health, you may think that they are kind of two separate things that we have to consider separately in our lives and how to deal with both of them. But if you dive deeper into the relationship between them, they are actually very correlated and and aligned in a way where if if your mental health is not where it needs to be, if your mental health is struggling, more than likely you're making poor financial decisions as a result of that. And so I wanted to talk through that a bit because again, I... I want to continue to come back to this topic because I think that there's just so much intertwined with your journey to wealth, your journey to a rich life, and really, again, the deep-rooted psychology of money and how your behaviors, your life experiences, and, and how your life experiences have shaped your ability to continue to keep and grow money versus spend and use it and abuse it. And those things are just so tightly wound, that it's it's really hard to talk about one without the other. And I think talking about mental health and financial health and financial abuse are just so important and such strong topics that you need to be aware of in your own life. You need to kind of sit down and look at how you're spending money and what you're doing in your life to maybe benefit or or be counterproductive to your, again, your wealth journey or your rich life journey. So the first thing is mental health and financial well-being are directly linked. I mentioned this before, and it's so important to understand that. So when we take care of our mental and physical health, we make better financial decisions and manage our finances with greater confidence. And I'll go into a couple of different ways and tools that you guys can use to help you build up your financial confidence and help you reduce your financial stress and anxiety. But one of the ways, one of the big kind of overarching ways is becoming financially educated and financially literate. And whether that's listening to my podcast and getting some tidbits, whether that is really diving deep into books, articles, information that you can reference, technical information that allows you to understand finances at a deeper level, whether that's following a credible source on social media that really drives you to maybe they have a blog or a podcast that gives you really good information. I personally love Susie Orman. I, you know, I, I don't follow her to a T, but a lot of what she says makes sense. But fo- I encourage you to follow somebody, follow somebody and listen to something that 
allows you to kind of regurgitate and understand and comprehend the information. So something that isn't one boring or too high level, somewhere where it's broken down where you can understand it and comprehend what's being said. But then that is going to help, again, reduce the stress, reduce the uncertainty of where you're at financially and allow you to create that you know financial health that you need in this whole broad topic of mental health. So some of the tools that I want you guys to be thinking about and be incorporating into your life now are, first of all, budgeting and planning. So I make a lot of my clients, it may not be a long-term activity, but at least three months worth of sitting down in an Excel. I really don't want them to use apps that connect to their credit cards. I want them to sit down and actually do it either digitally or by hand, and write down and understand every single transaction you make for three months. That is really important because one, three months gives you a good sense of what your average spending is. You hopefully have a good understanding of what your average income is, but then you can actually write down and see what you're spending because in most cases, people think they are spending less than they actually are. That is like 99.9% of the case. And it allows you to see where you're overspending and where you're not. It also allows you to get control, take control back of your situation where if you're just blindly spending money, you don't have control. You have lost that control, you need to gain it back. The other one is just automating your finances. So. Setting up, and I've talked about this in a previous podcast, you know, set it and forget it. Automate transfers for, you know, for paying bills, for putting towards savings and investments. This allows you to not have to keep up with it. And again, letting your savings grow without thinking about it, paying off bills without thinking about it, with the exception of making sure each month, you know, what you're spending is below what you're bringing in. So you know that you can actually pay those bills. Set up regular financial reviews. I have started doing that with Aldo. We do it quarterly and it is, I mean, I look at our stuff weekly because I'm crazy, but look, I, especially if you guys have investments in the stock market or just investments in places where it fluctuates, I encourage you to not look at it daily, weekly, even monthly, but do sit down and look at your investments, your money, your spending at least quarterly, maybe, maybe two times a year, but Go ahead and do that. Sit down because again, it gives you that control, but it also from a habit standpoint, from a behavior standpoint, the more you're looking at your money and it's moving in a positive direction, it reinforces those positive habits. And so by reinforcing those positive habits, it will make it that much easier for you to keep doing what you're doing, know that you're on the right path. And again, just check things. It's always good to look at things because I've had so many clients not look at their finances ever. And now they're looking at statements. They're looking at credit card statements. They're looking at bank statements and they're seeing that $400 was taken out and that wasn't them. So it's important to look at your information, open your bills, pay them, take all of this head on so that you are taking control, you're taking ownership. And that's really the only way to move forward in a more stress-free environment by taking that control back. The last thing is if you feel like you're just in over your head, meet with a financial professional. In a lot of ways, I've had people meet with me just for the accountability purpose. I've had people meet with me because they're in so much credit card debt, they don't know what to do. I've had people meet with me because they are starting a small business and feel like their personal finances and their business finances are all over the place and they need direction, they need help, they need to gain back that control. So if you're really in a position where 
you feel like things are out of control, you don't have the financial literacy or education that you feel like you need at this point, find somebody that you trust. Trust is a big piece of this. And go back to one of my other podcasts when I talk through financial advisors and what you should look for, what you should ask. But find somebody that you trust that can help you with all of this. The second piece of today's topic is financial abuse. And I love that people are talking about this more. I don't even think it had a name up until the last couple of years. But to me, when I think about all the forms of abuse that are out there, to me, financial abuse is the most detrimental because the goal is to basically have the victim be powerless to take the control from the victim. And as you notice, when I talk mental health, financial health, the goal is to get back that control back that visibility so that you can make good, reasonable, realistic decisions. But with financial abuse, the goal is to make the victim so powerless that they are forced to be in the relationship that they're in with their abuser because they cannot leave because they don't have the financial means to do it. If you are being physically abused, emotionally abused, if you have money to get out, money is power. You need money to survive. You need money for a place to live, to put food on your table. If you have kids, it's highlighted and and exacerbated even more. If you don't have money, that guilt, that concern for how am I going to take care of my kids next week is real. And so to me, financial abuse is absolutely absolutely the worst kind of abuse that's out there. And so we're going to go through some signs that you might be in a financial abusive situation or relationship, how to get out of that and resources to reach out to if you do think you're in that situation. But I want to start with telling you guys what is financial abuse. So First of all, in a study by the Centers of Financial Security, they found that 99, 99% of domestic violence cases included financial abuse. And it's also the first, often, it's also often the first sign of dating violence and domestic abuse. So what is financial abuse? It basically involves controlling a victim's ability to acquire the use and maintenance of their financial resources. It is less understood and less talked about until recently, but it's one of the most powerful methods of keeping a victim trapped in an abusive relationship. Usually it brings about doubt and the victim is fully consumed with how they will provide and survive financially on their own for themselves or their children without the abusive partner. And I'll go through some signs of financial abuse because they hit very specific areas of your life. And the first one is if you think or if your partner is wanting more access and wanting to kind of take control of the finances. So in a lot of cases with partners, like for example, I handle most of the finances, but that doesn't mean that Aldo doesn't have access to them. That doesn't mean that he isn't aware of where all of our finances are. We talk about big purchases. We look at our budget. So we're still a team in all that. I just go through the logistics and the execution, and then we sit down and review it together all the time. And he wants to be part of it, he wants to know it, and I just love to do it and look at it, that's just my thing. But if you're in a financially abusive relationship, your partner will try to control and access your money for multiple reasons. They'll either try to slowly leak that money from you, so either by using it in ways that maybe they didn't consult with you for making big purchases, making really irresponsible purchases, they may just slowly try and take that money in one form or another from 
from you and possibly lock you out of that account. Another thing that they might try to do is ruin your credit history. Ruining your credit history really sets you up for failure when you are on your own or if you do leave an abusive relationship because now you can't get credit cards. Now you can't borrow money. So if you have no money and you can't borrow money, you are left with no options. Like what are your options at that point? So ruining your credit history. So running up limits, maybe taking or being on your credit cards, maybe just taking a credit card that they're not even on and just running it up and spending a lot of money on it. Maybe saying that they're paying off your, or they're making payments a month and they're not. They feel entitled to your money and to your assets. So again, if they are demanding access to your accounts, to your passwords, wanting access and physical ownership of your credit and debit cards, interfering in any way with your finances or your ability to keep your own individual accounts, that's probably problematic unless they have a very good reason why you guys should combine accounts. Again, I'm not against having joint accounts, but those joint accounts need to be used responsibly. You guys need to be joint decision makers on those accounts. You need to have open and transparent communication about the money going in and out of those accounts. Joint account means you make those decisions together, jointly as a team. Another thing to look for is, is your partner interfering at all with your job? Are they pressuring you to quit so that you don't have any more income coming in? Are they trying to sabotage your job? Are they trying to highlight the negative aspects of your workplace environment? Are they trying to do something to get you out of a situation where you're no longer making income? So those are some things to look at and to think about if you are in a relationship and something doesn't feel right or you don't feel like you have independence and control over your money. The other thing I would encourage is if you are in a situation, you're married, you have kids, you're a stay-at-home mom. I'm speaking mostly to women because this is mostly a women-specific problem, even though, yes, some men can have financial abuse tied to their relationship. But I would say mostly for women, I strongly encourage you guys to have your own money. There are things out there such as spousal 401ks where you can actually open a 401k if you aren't working based on your spouse's income. You can have savings accounts that are your own. You should have access to some of the overall combined income. There are so many things that you can and should do if you are a stay-at-home mom because that job to me is worth like $200,000 a year. I couldn't do it. I physically can't do it. I love my children to death, but it's just not for me. But it is such a hard job and you should be getting monetary benefits for that from your spouse because it's not fair if you're not or if you're not feeling comfortable in the assets that you have in your name in your marriage. I know that in a lot of cases, a lot of states, when it comes to divorce, it's, you know, it's 50-50, so it doesn't really matter. But I want you guys to feel comfortable with what you have. I want you guys to set yourself up for success. And if your husband, if your partner, if your wife is not open to these types of conversations, I would be concerned. So the last thing is how to get help or what to do if you're like, yeah, these signs are resonating with me. I am definitely in a position of financial abuse and I don't know what to do. What, what's, the, what's the next step? So I want you guys to make a plan 
to leave the situation. I know from a financial standpoint, you're gonna have to start there, right? You have to have money to be able to leave. And then once you have money, you get the heck out of there, especially that's the number one priority is how to leave. And so the first thing is protect your personal information by contacting your bank and credit card company and ask them to change your account information, ask them to change your PIN, your access codes, your passwords. Make sure that your significant other cannot access that information anymore. Also, access your credit report. You guys can get that for free by going to annualcreditreport.com. Access your credit report and make sure that there's nothing funny on that report. Make sure that what you're seeing in terms of open lines of credit, in terms of you know credit cards, in terms of loans that are in your name, that they have all been opened by you and you're aware of them and there's nothing there that looks like it could be hurting your credit. The last thing is do what you can to open a new account that your abuser knows nothing about. You have to open something that they will never be privy to, they will never know exists, and start slowly without being very obvious putting money into that account so that you can be ready to leave and you can put that plan together to leave. As soon as you have enough money in that account to get out, you leave. You don't say anything. You don't ask them to leave. You don't try and have a conversation. You leave if you have pets. You leave with your pets. If you have kids, you leave with your kids. But get out of that situation because it is never going to get better. It's never going to change. The other thing is you want to make sure you have people in your life that you can confide in, that you can go to for help, whether it's to stay with them for a short period of time. If you really cannot afford rent somewhere or cannot afford to leave your current situation. But also, if you have nobody, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 for additional resources if you don't have people in your life that you can reach out to, that you can connect with, that you can get on your side when you really need help the most. So kind of a downer of a discussion, but wanted to really help you guys make that connection of financial health and mental health. There's a cyclical motion when it comes to mental health and financial health in that the more stressed you are, the worse financial decisions you make, the worse financial decisions you make, the more you will be stressed. And so it can quickly become a downward spiral and really hurt you in the short term, in the long term. And so making sure both your mental health is being taken care of and your financial health is also being taken care of. Both of those things will help you drive better financial decisions, more confidence, and increase your ability and likelihood of living a rich life and increasing your wealth along your wealth journey as quickly, as efficiently, and as effectively as humanly possible. Hey guys, that's all I have for you today. In the meantime, respect yourself by respecting your money. We'll talk soon.